Welcome to Chapels from Rosedale Bible College. Thanks for joining our community for weekly chapels recorded on our campus in Rosedale, Ohio. We hope you are challenged and inspired by what you hear. Enjoy. This morning I'd like to talk about two words that I think get sort of a bum rap in the church. And these two words, I think, are really important for us as followers of Christ. But yet, they're really hard to implement correctly. Uh, it's so hard, in fact, that I think the church at times has simply given up on them. So, well, we can't do this. Kind of demonized them both. This morning, instead of just giving these two words to you and then moving on in what will, you know, probably be an otherwise fairly forgettable chapel talk, I thought that I'd illustrate each word with a story. But uh, not just any story. Now it gets better. Each word will be illustrated by a story about drum roll, about my mother. <clears throat> so now, in case you're wondering, I, I'm not bitter. I mean, my mom, she is free. She is free to tell stories anytime she wants about me wetting my bed and things like that. You know, that is absolutely fine. If she does that, she just needs to remember that uh, turnabout is fair play. Um, I, that's in the Bible somewhere, I think. Turnabout is fair play. I, I don't have to look for it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> so, are you ready for the first story? <clears throat> the first story is from when I was in uh, high school. And uh, something that you need to know about my mom is that when uh, we were growing up, uh, there were certain things that were kind of anathema in our house. Uh, since my dad had fought cancer soon after I was born and had been declared cancer-free, uh, eating healthy foods were very important. And one of the ways that this played out in our home was that we would never heaven forbid, never have sugar cereal, like sweetened cereal. Are you kidding me? If we were lucky enough to get Cheerios, they were definitely not honey nut Cheerios. Are you kidding me? And if indeed the cornflakes showed up in the cupboard, they, <laughs> they were not frosted flakes. Are you kidding me? Well, one day my dad did the shopping. <clears throat> and he came home with something that uh, we would have only dreamed of ever having. They were round, but they weren't brown like Cheerios. They, they, were, they were colorful, <laughs> sweetened, flavored like fruit. <laughs> you guessed it. It was a box of Fruit Loops. Are you kidding me? They must have been on sale or something. I don't know. My dad thought, why not? Well, why not? 
My mom was about to tell him why not. <laughs> the groceries were sitting on the counter. Us kids were gathered around, salivating over this odd, wonderful, colorful, sweetened with all kinds of bad things box. Could it be true? Were we going to be able to partake of this forbidden fruit? <laughs> Mom came in. She saw the box and immediately said, Richard. That that's, was my dad's name. Richard. From her tone, I could tell that our chance to have any Fruit Loops just might be slipping away. Richard, she said, you might as well bring X-rated videos into the house. <laughs> These things do to your body what that does to your mind. Whoa! I mean, it went from here to here really fast. Whew. The first word that I want to talk about today that I think gets a bum rap in the church is the word legalism. Would you agree that uh, maybe my mom was being a bit legalistic about uh, the presence of Fruit Loops in our home? I mean, equating a bowl of Fruit Loops with pornography is a little extreme, right? I mean, we have Fruit Loops in the, you know, in the cafeteria from time to time, right? <laughs> At least under my watch, we never watch X-rated videos. I don't know. What, you know it's, I haven't been to a lot of student life activities this year, so I don't know. Things may be slipping. As a teenager, I wanted to say, well, oh, come on, lighten up a little bit. Stop being so legalistic, right? And I'll, but, you know, I'll stand by my assertion, though, that legalism, I think, today does kind of get a bum rap. There's often this contrast made in church between sort of legalism versus love. And we need to love and not be legalistic. You're either legalistic or you're loving. It's like there's two ends to a spectrum, but I don't think I agree with that assertion. I was just reading through 1 Corinthians 13 the other day, where we just covered that in Corinthians, and it struck me that the way that Paul talks about true love, agape love, as he's defining it there, he defines it in very legalistic terms. I mean, take verse 7, for example. Love always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Those are very legalistic terms. Think about it. There isn't much wiggle room. Love protects, except for circumstance, some circumstances, then it doesn't have to. No, that's not what it says. Love perseveres unless, you know, it gets really hard and then it can't persevere anymore. No, always is how this is termed. 
There's something legalistic about love. I mean, I'm glad that Colleen, my wife, is very legalistic about her vow to love me and be faithful to me till death do us part. I am super glad that she is legalistic about this commitment. And I'm legalistic about my commitment to her. I don't think it's love versus legalism. It's more love enabled by legalism. (laughs) Granted, legalism can be deadly. That's true. But it all comes down to what we're being legalistic about. Which brings us, I said there were two words. This brings us to our second word and to a second story. This is from when I was uh, seven years old. <clears throat> Would have been maybe, you know, six months after I was wetting the bed, for goodness sakes. That particular story was when we were in Africa. After spending about nine months in Africa, my family moved to Turkey. I turned seven, I believe, when we were in Africa. And so I was seven years old when we arrived in Turkey. And my folks moved to, uh, we first stayed in a hotel on the sort of the Asian side of the largest city in Turkey, Istanbul, uh, as we were looking for an apartment to rent. So uh, trying to find a place to, to stay and live, learn the language. It was, uh, had three little kids. And uh, eventually we rented a, a, an apartment on the fifth floor of an apartment building, no elevator, we, we get up there, and we were there for the purpose of being a witness to the gospel, building relationships, reaching out to the people around us, surrounded by people who were Muslim, who most likely had never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And so one of the big reasons, one of the big things that we wanted to do was make friends, get to know people. Our parents encouraged us to go out and make friends, invite them over to the house. About this time, my sister was having a birthday. And uh, this is a perfect time to, uh, to have a birthday party. Let's invite a bunch of friends over. And uh, some friends had uh, sent us a care package with, uh, that had a, a little package of pepperoni in it. And we thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity to introduce Uh, our friends to American cuisine, Italian cuisine, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Pizza, right? We're going to make pizza, and we're going to invite everyone over. So the table is full of our friends. Everyone is is, uh, devouring the delicious pizza. And as children are devouring this, one little kid pipes up and says... This doesn't have pig meat in it, does it? (sighs) Well, I think to all of us here, the answer is pretty clear. Pepperoni, in fact, does have pig meat in it. I'll never forget the awkward silence and kind of the deer in the headlights look in my mother's face. She had just fed pig meat to a whole bunch of Muslim kids. 
What do you do? Does the pepperoni have pig meat? Well, mom said, well, I don't know. Downplaying the obvious fact that, yes, indeed, she had just fed pig meat to a bunch of Muslim kids. Now, granted, she'll tell a different story than I will about this. You can see her later. I don't know. She claims to this day that she maybe didn't didn't, uh, compromise on the truth. But how many of you would fault her if she did, right? I mean, was this a time to legalistically tell the truth? Was this a time to say, you know what, kids, that's right. (laughs) Suckers. (laughs) You just had pygmy. Or was it a time, and here's the second word of the morning that I'm using now for the second time, was it a time to sort of compromise on the truth? I would contend at this point that mom did indeed compromise on the truth. This is where we'd probably differ in how we tell this story. But I also don't really falter. I mean, what was the alternative? To never be trusted to host another kid in our home again? The nice American lady just fig me pig meat, mom. How's that for making a good inroad into the community? Legalism or compromise. Both these things are important in our walks. Both can be abused. So how do we figure out when to compromise and when to sort of legalistically dig our heels in? That's the question this morning for us. Now, there's an interesting topic that gets uh, sort of mixed reviews in Scripture. And here, my apologies to my first Corinthians class. Some of this is things we've covered quite a bit in class, which is probably one of the reasons it's something that I've been thinking about recently. Uh, There's a topic that uh, isn't necessarily an issue in sort of the North American context, but uh, I think can be helpful in pointing the way on this particular issue that we're talking about this morning. And it's the issue of meat sacrifice to idols. When you go to the store, get some meat today, I doubt you wondered whether this was sacrificed to an idol or not, whether you should have it if it was. There are parts of the world where this is an issue, but it's not something we are concerned much with today. But this was a pressing issue during the time of the New Testament. Does eating meat sacrificed to idols somehow compromise us as followers and worshipers of Jesus? In the first Jerusalem council of Acts 15, there's, a, there's this debate as to how Gentile believers are to begin practicing the Christian life. And specifically, does it mean that if a Gentile believer becomes a Christian that this that the Gentile believers should be circumcised and begin sort of following the Jewish, uh, Jewish law and practices. And they, they actually, this is a heated enough discussion that there's this council 
that Paul and Barnabas come down to Jerusalem and the, the leadership in Jerusalem, they, they sit and they listen to Peter's testimony concerning the gospel preached at, the, at Cornelius' house and, and uh, Paul's testimony about what God is doing among the Gentiles. And they, and they come to the conclusion that no, we're not going to burden the Gentiles by causing them to follow the Old Testament law if they become Christians. But... They do have a couple of requests. They don't say, look, yeah, don't just don't, it doesn't matter how you live. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, it's okay. No, they, they write a letter that Paul and Barnabas are to take to the Gentile believers, and there are some things that they ask. Well, they ask believers to abstain from sexual immorality and as well as to abstain from meat sacrifice to idols. Don't eat meat sacrifice to idols. Later in the New Testament, when John receives his revelation on the island of Patmos, uh, there's, there's the, the first number of chapters of the book of Revelation are, are, are letters that were written, messages that were given for specific churches in Asia Minor. And in the letter to, uh, in the, letter to the church in Pergamum, there's a number of ways that the church in Pergamum is found lacking that Jesus points out. How are they found lacking? Well, it says that they followed or they, 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 uh, they held to the, the teaching of Balaam who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. These things that... The, these things should not be. This is certainly a practice that should not be tolerated by believers in Jesus, right? That's well, interesting. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tackles this topic and he shows a path that is, I would contend, is both legalistic and compromising. He brings up this topic of whether or not a follower of Jesus should eat meat that has been sacrificed to an idol. Does this compromise our faith in the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Compromise us. And he eventually, he talks about a number of things, but I want to draw our attention to some verses at the very end of his discussion of this topic, located at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you do have your Bibles, you can turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting from verse 31. And this is the conclusion of his discussion about whether or not it's appropriate for a follower of Jesus to eat meek sacrifice to idols. He says, so, whether you eat or drink, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 here. So whether, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God even as I try to please everyone in every way. <laughs> what a statement. 
For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. And he concludes by saying, follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. I love the attitude of Paul here. See, he's legalistic about the right things. Do all for the glory of God, he says. And looking out for the well-being of my brothers and sisters. But he's also kind of compromising on the right things too. He's not taking this stance of don't let it touch your lips. It's not going to happen. Whether it's always wrong to eat meat sacrificed to idols or not, he's, he's sort of willing to compromise some there. But these verses are brilliant, I think, for the path they show us in finding our own way through kind of this minefield of legalism or compromise. You see, there's two questions, I think, that are front and center that can be applied to anything that we face as followers of Jesus. I want to leave us here with these two questions that come out of this attitude that gets expressed by Paul. The first question I think that we need to focus on is, in any given decision, any given thing that we're facing, is, well, what is this doing to my heart? How's this affecting my heart? Paul says in verse 31, do all for the glory of God. Whatever we do, we're doing for someone's glory, usually our own, if we're honest. Doing all for God's glory ultimately forces us to evaluate what any given situation is doing to our own hearts. Are we doing it for God's glory or for ours? What, what's my heart in this matter? I remember the very first year that I was dean of students many, many years ago. Uh, I was coming, I, I, I taught here for a year, and I was coming on as, as um, dean of students. So I knew some of the students, and I was working with the, the current dean of students at that time to sort of pick an RDA team for the next year, uh, and <clears throat> there was one young man that we were talking about as a possibility to be an RA, and he had been at RVC a couple of years before that and had really crashed and burned. He had basically, I think in the spring, he had bombed all his classes, just left, I'm done, I'm, you know... And, uh, but in the years since, had really, um, God had done some neat things in his life, and he was wanting to come back. And I knew this guy, and I, and I was like, you know what, I think this would be great. Chance for him to, to come back and do this right this time. And uh, so I kind of, in, in, in spite of the fact that maybe it was a, a little bit of a risky choice, for an RA, I was like, no, let's do this. Let's ask him. And so the 
the guy that was the dean of students went and asked him to be RA and he he was uh, RA for that next year did a commendable job uh, a number of years later he was giving a talk I I'll never forget this actually it was in this it's in this building the pastors conference was here it was, it was a long time ago I was standing right back there and this young man was standing up front giving a testimony. They'd asked him to give a testimony at, uh, at, uh, to the pastors about sort of his own spiritual journey. And he started telling the story about how his first time here at RBC, he had really just crashed and burned. And then, then um, you know, RBC didn't give up on him. And they asked him, they actually asked him to come back as an RA. And how meaningful that was for him for, to, to recognize what God had done in his life. And he was, he was building. And I was, I was sitting back there thinking, ooh, this is, uh, this is this, this, I did that. I, that, was, that was me. And he's building to this point, And he, he talks about this. And he puts it all on the outgoing dean of students who had asked him to come and do this and how gracious that was and wonderful of a, of a, a decision, how meaningful and transformative that was for him that this former dean of students had done in his life. And boy, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Are you kidding me? You're going to stand here in front of everyone and give all the credit to him? That was me. I'm the one that stuck my neck uh, st 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 stuck my stuck my neck out here. I I'm the one who who said in spite of what everyone else was saying, I was like, "No, this is the guy for and and that guy gets all the credit." That was where my heart was. Now, was that a heart that was giving all the honor and glory to God? Or was that a heart that was wanting to take the honor and glory for myself? Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed to, to even admit that I even, I mean, I did it in a very good-natured way, but even like later talk to him and like let him know that it was actually me, not the other guy, which is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Why was it so important for me to let him know that that was me and not the other guy? It was, it was because I wanted the glory. I wanted the glory. And I, I think that really needs to be in the forefront of our minds as we try to find our way with these two terms, legalism and compromise. Well, what? When do we do one or the other? Well, what is it doing to my heart? The second question then that I think is so important to also ask is the question, well, what's it doing to my brothers and my sisters' hearts? As I've told my first Corinthians class way too many times, just because you have the right to do something doesn't make it the right thing to do, right? You have the right to do all sorts of stuff. doesn't mean that's the right choice. 
Is what you're doing building your brother or sister up or is it tearing them down? We have a responsibility as the body of Christ to be asking this question, to be thinking through this. Is it tearing them down? Then, well, we need to be legalistic about not doing whatever that is. That is indeed doing that. Paul ends his thought here with a call that restates these two questions beautifully. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, simply states, starts by saying, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. First and foremost, are we following Christ? And secondly, are we following with others in a way that they're built up in their walks with Him? Those are the things we need to be worrying about. So the next time you're faced with a decision and you're wrestling with what's right in any given situation, I'd encourage you to follow the lead of Paul here. And first look in. Hey, what, what's this doing to my heart? And then look out. Well, what's this doing to my brother's or my sister's heart? I'm not saying that you'll immediately know what you should do. I wish the world was that simple and that easy. But I would contend, though, that by asking these two questions, you'll get a better grasp on when it's right to be legalistic and how to be legalistic rightly. And it's right when it's right to compromise and to compromise rightly. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share so others can benefit from it as well. And be sure to check out our other podcasts at rosedale.edu slash podcasts.